Well, good morning, church family. Let's stand as we open in worship. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my doom till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried. It was my turn Till I met you So you called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name glorious day now your mercy has saved my soul now your freedom is all that I know the old man knew Jesus when I met
You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? Had a good week? Name is Matthew, one of the pastors here. If you are a visitor, I'd like to welcome you, extend a welcome to you, and uh, ask you if you would be willing to look right in front of you, the pew, right in front of you should have a card. It says connection card. If you wouldn't mind filling that out, drop that in the basket. Uh, it says offering basket on your way out as you're offering this morning. We'd love to uh, be able to reach out to you, see if there's anything we can do for you, pray for you, and would, would, would value that opportunity. So, this evening, just by way of announcement, we'll be back here for a time of prayer, uh, gathering together around prayer, seeking the Lord, and in a variety of groups. And so I want to invite you back uh, this evening at 6 o'clock. We'll start in here, and then we'll split up from there. And so that is, that is this evening at 6 o'clock, and then we'll be back together Wednesday night uh, in discipleship groups, uh, this, this Wednesday night at 6.30. So I just want to make you aware of upcoming activities, upcoming gatherings. Uh, so we have been memorizing Scripture. This is our last Sunday in 1 John, uh, and we will be moving to a different verse next month. And so uh, we're looking and memorizing 1 John 1, 8, and 9. And so if you would, let's read it once, and uh, I hope you have taken advantage of memorizing it and spent time this month meditating on it, thinking on it, and uh, thinking on what God says in these two very brief words. And that in committing it to memory, you have, uh, as Proverbs says, you've chiseled it onto your soul, onto your heart, uh, so that it, it would be there and remain there. It would be a useful tool all of your life. All right, so let's, uh, let's read it out loud. Follow with me if you would. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. All right. Y'all good? Y'all got it? Anybody want to say it? We'll put you that. So, he is faithful and he is just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What he has begun, what Christ begins in sinful people, he promises to bring it to completion the day of Christ Jesus. He has promised he will cleanse, he will lead, he will fulfill his promises, and he will take us from one point to be like him all of our lives. Trust in him. Press forward into him. Depend upon Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, in a world where we are surrounded by a lack of faithfulness, we are surrounded by promises that are unbelievable. Promises that, are, that, that people make flippantly and that continually break. Lord, you do not break your promises. Your word is dependable. Your word is never changed. And so when we hear this promise that if we confess, Lord, our sin, we agree with you that you are faithful and just forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Father. May we trust in your promise. And would you show us, would you open our eyes, would you reveal to each of us in our experience, in our life, in our faith, depending upon you, that reality of you transforming us to be like you. 
God, that, that initial transformation in conversion, Lord, would, would that be true of everybody here? Every one of us to know you in conversion, to know you in faith and trust in your son that he died in our place. May that be true of everyone, but I know that's not. And so, Father, would you lead us this morning to see you high and lifted up, to trust in you that, Lord, you would call people here this morning to faith in you first. And that God, as that, that foundational reality of transformation, that God, that walk of faith from that point, that, Lord, you would show up time and time again that we would find you faithful in that. Find you faithful to, to conform us to your image, to, Lord, renew our minds by your word and by your spirit to be like you. So, Father, thank you, Lord. I ask your, your blessing on this time that you, Lord, would lead and you would guide and you, Lord, would be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we continue in worship.
began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to Salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. stay in that grave. He came out three days later. He rose again. He defeated death so that we could live with him. He is merciful. He is kind. He is gracious. In Hebrews, it talks about how he chooses to remember our sins no more. As the author of Hebrews is quoting from the Old Testament, that he remembers our sin no more. His mercy is so much more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, it's new every morn, our sins they are many, His mercy is more. What love could remember No wrongs we have done A mission from knowing He counts not their sum Thrown into a sea Without bottom or shore And our sins they are many His mercy is more Praise the Lord Mercy is more 
His mercy is more But patience would wait as we constantly roam What Father so tender is calling us home He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor In our sins they are many, His mercy is more Praise the Lord, praise the Lord His mercy is more Stronger than darkness Every morning, our sins they are many. His mercy is more. And what riches of kindness! He lavished on us His blood was the payment His life was the cost We stood neath the death We could never afford In our sins they are many His mercy is more Praise the Lord ourselves to come to you. We can't fix ourselves. But Father, when we turn to you, you work in us and you change us. God, it is through your power and your strength that we can do any good. It says in Ephesians that we are, we have good works prepared beforehand by you that it is only by you that we can do them. So Lord, thank you. God, thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you through song, through reading your scripture. Lord, thank you that we can turn to you 
in prayer and talk to you, the creator of the universe. Lord, thank you for your love. Yeah, I pray that as Pastor Joel gets up here, that you will give us ears to hear, but God, more importantly, that you will give us hearts to understand. That we will leave this building changed, different than when we came in, that we can leave better equipped to be your church, be your body, to serve and love those around us. God, thank you for this time. We love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Alex, and our praise team for leading us to uh, be reminded that His grace is enough, and it's more. It's more than enough, and uh, so it never, never runs dry. Uh, we did not have our regular prayer time on uh, Sunday evening a couple of weeks ago because of uh, winter break, and uh, and also, uh, the chairman of our elders, Billy Miller, uh, as you know, had surgery uh, for a growth in his throat. And he's the one that prepares the meal for us. So uh, we're missing him. Uh, so we're going to have our prayer time tonight. Uh, do be in prayer for him. Uh, it was a squamous cell carcinoma uh, for those of you that that means something too. And... Uh, uh, so they'll be running some uh, more tests. He'll have a PET scan. Is that not right? And uh, uh, make sure that that's the source and uh, uh, look at uh, what is the best uh, step to take next. We know what our step is as a body of believers, and that's to be interceding in his behalf and praying for him. And uh, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, we're grateful that uh, the word we had earlier about Sean Bell, that he was missing, uh, uh, was only missing to his mother, his father, his sister, his friends, and his girlfriend. Uh, but he knew exactly where he was and uh, <laughs> was on a camping trip. And uh, somebody asked me, you think that girlfriend's going to stay girlfriend very long? Uh, no, we'll see. She, uh, she doesn't live in Austin. She lives somewhere else, and so uh, uh, maybe she'll forgive him. Uh, have your Bibles. Turn to the book of Isaiah. We're in Isaiah uh, chapters 43 and 44 this morning. And... Uh, you say, wow, can we really cover all of that? And the answer is no, we can't. Uh, I, I've only had, to my knowledge, I only remember going and having prime rib one time in my life. Boy, isn't that, doesn't that sound like a terrible life? But, you know, if you've ever had prime rib, you go and there's this big rack of ribs that are there and they cut off a piece. And uh, then, you, then you eat. And... Uh, uh, that's kind of this passage of Scripture. I don't know how much of it we're going to be able to look at today. Uh, we're going to start chewing on it, and it's all going to be meat as far as I'm concerned. I have 
been so, you need to spend a week studying uh, these two chapters. Everywhere you bite, it's meat. It, there's no fluff and stuff in it. It is full of Christ. It is full of the gospel. This is the gospel in the Old Testament in these two chapters. And uh, so I hope your heart is encouraged. Uh, I do hope when you leave out of here, you know that God is your Savior. He has called you, made you to be His own, and you can't, He won't leave you, won't forsake you. Uh, he will comfort you, and no matter what you go through, and He will be ahead of you in everything you may face. That's what's all through uh, this passage of Scripture. And so I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 of verse 43, and we're going to kind of just go through those verses and pull a few verses from the rest of the passage, uh, and uh, hopefully you'll be encouraged, and uh, we'll just see how far we get this morning. So it says, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, and I'm going to pause here for just a second, because in the book of Romans, we're clearly taught that, that we, the church, are the new Israel. We're the new Jacob. And so you and I are to understand when he's giving reference here to Jacob or to Israel. He is talking about Israel, but he's also talking about his children in all ages. Because the Bible is a living book. It's living and powerful, Hebrew says. So that it applies at all points, at all times, to all people. And so understand this. He is speaking to you as well as speaking to Israel in this particular day and their particular circumstance. So he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you and I've called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And through the rivers, and they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a, your ransom. In other words, he exchanged uh, he, He's willing to give up everything in behalf of his children. Cush and Seba are Sheba in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. And I give men in return for you peoples in exchange for your life. So fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth for everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed and made. Amen. And may God bless his word. And so, Father, we ask again what, what we know not, that we ask that you would teach us today. And, Lord, what we have not, 
that you would give us today and what we are not that you would make us today. And to your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you and I all know what's going on uh, on uh, in Eastern Europe. Uh, you can't get away from it. Uh, it's being called Putin's War. Uh, and I think justly so. It, it seems to be motivated by a, a, a man who is a ruthless dictator. It's obvious. Uh, these people are fighting for their own existence. And uh, you and I have to remind that we have a sovereign Lord who will right all wrongs. And he, all injustices will come to fruition in its time. It may not happen in the way that we think it should happen, but you and I must remember the character and nature of who God is, uh, that nothing slips through his fingers, okay? So, so don't be discouraged and disheartened, uh, but know that the sovereign creator of all things uh, is their creator, and he is in control, and God's people are being well taken care of, though they may be walking through the waters and through the rivers and through the fire and through the trials. God has promised to be with them. But I want us to notice some things from this passage of Scripture that I just read. And the first thing, and I think we need to remember this, even though we as Christians know this, the, the world in which we live totally and absolutely denies this. And what is it? That God himself is our creator. I, I, I titled this originally, the, the sermon, I gave the title originally, Freedom and Forgiveness. And then I retitled it, What a Savior. And, and that's what we're looking at. I'm really pulling out things that talk about the greatness of who our Savior is. He is our creator. Notice again back in verse 1. And we have a word from God, the eternal God. The one who has given us an eternal word. Do not let the world rip this away from you. It is true from beginning to end. And every word of it, you can stake your life and your eternity on it. And someone will come along and say, well, I just don't believe that. That's man's word written about God or it's just man talking and and you can say all of those things and yet the reality is God has proven over and over and over and over again the veracity the truthfulness of his word look at the prophecies of scripture and you and I go away mathematically if I was a mathematician I could do it it's like you know 276 to the 20th power or whatever. You know, it's, it's an astronomical amount of probability uh, that this is true because of the fulfillment of the prophecies of Scripture alone. I mean, just alone. Let's forget archaeology. Let's forget the, uh, the, the sources that we have outside of the Bible. We have historians that have written about it. God is our creator. He is our creator. And science is a wonderful thing. 
Don't debunk science. Not science, science, as um, Francis Schaeffer called it back in the 1970s, okay? I'm going way back because I go way back, okay? But back in those days, uh, he called what's happening today science, science. In other words, it's, you can't depend on everything because everything is, is not verifiable. True science says it's verifiable. You look at the evidence and you can verify it. Well, the verification is that we can look back and see what's happening in science and go, wow, the things that we see that are verifiable declare the glory of God. I mean, it's amazing to me. I mean, I, I, I love... To, you know, to read science stuff that comes out. I, I love to see about the uh, Hadron uh, Collider in uh, Switzerland and, and what happens with the Bose-Higgs-Boson. and uh, or Higgs boson, Pardon me, I've got it backwards. I told you my brain wasn't working right. Uh, <laughs> I love to see the subparticles that are coming off of it and for them to say, look... Uh, the universe is even smaller than we imagine. It, it gets more minute than we can even dream of. And yet to have a belief system that says this comes by chance and randomness screams to me stupidity. I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying that word stupidity again, okay? One of the kids said, that's a bad word. Well, it, it's, it is insanity. How that, how's that? It's, it's out of character for us to be able to look at what happens in our world and go, God's not creator. God is creator. Number two, he is also, and I have several other scriptures uh, to support that, but uh, I'm going to move on to number two. He is our designer, and I think it's important to notice in that he is our creator, he is also our designer. Notice what it said. Uh, he who created you, O Jacob, he who did what? Formed you, O Israel. And, and the word in the original language is the word that is used of a potter making a piece of pottery. And in making a piece, I'm not a potter. Uh, I've never made a piece of pottery I basically make messes is what I do. And, uh, but yet this is not the word for making a mess. This is a word for forming and fashioning. It is making something with purpose and design. And you and I have to understand that we are created in the image of God. And He has made you for a purpose you have purpose for being life's going to throw some things at you and Satan is going to throw some uh, temptations your way other people will say things to you that will lead you at times to wonder why am I here why do I exist what's the purpose of my life and and life will not answer those questions for you but God can answer those questions for you and his word will answer those questions for you. I'll give you just, uh, this is 
not the best of examples, but y'all may know that we have a, a new puppy in the house because I keep repeating it over and over again. And it kind of came to my mind again because in the middle of the night last night, all of a sudden I, I was dreaming that a, a whale was licking me with his tongue only to wake up to find it was the puppy and it was just licking my face, seriously, just licking away. And uh, we named him Isaac. And uh, why would you name him Isaac? Well, the funny thing that we say is, just like Sarah and Abraham were too old to have a baby, Janet and I are too old to have a puppy. And so we named him Isaac, and his name means laughter. And so we went down to uh, my mother-in-law's on Friday, as I, we try to do on Friday. She's uh, uh, in her mid-80s, and we try to go down and do things that she needs done for her. And we wound up having to spend the night because of some other things. And so that evening, I walked the dog down to the marina at Bear Point. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the Redneck Riviera, by the way, Okay. And it affords many opportunities of engagement with people. And uh, so uh, I'm there, and uh, I hear this lady say, Oh, what a beautiful puppy. And I went, you got to be from Minnesota, by the way she talked. And she said, How'd you know? Thank you, Minnesotans. Uh, I've heard it before. And uh, I said, you got to be from Minnesota. And we got to talking. And she said, what's, what's your dog's name? And I said, Isaac. And I said, Isaac means laughter. And, oh, that's sweet. And that's cute. And, and uh, she said, isn't that in the Bible? And I said, oh, yeah. And I said, you might remember he tells us the story of God's substitute of a lamb. For a sacrifice in Isaac's behalf, just like Jesus is our substitute for our sin on the cross of Calvary. And you see, we intentionally, we purposefully, we fashionedly, we formed a name for our dog that would give itself opportunity for our lives to be purposeful. For the glory of God. So that an even walking a dog in a marina can afford it's an opportunity for our lives to count for the kingdom of God. Now I want you to see that that's God, God's way for our lives to be lived. Places he's going to put you. Encounters that you're going to have. Conversations that you enter into. Uh... Social media opportunities. And man, you got to be real careful how you do it. And yet at the same time, be, be bold enough to give the truth, which is grace through Jesus Christ, and not religion that kills. You see, the Spirit gives life, but the law kills. And so oftentimes we enter into the law engagement only of the gospel, and we don't get to the grace of it. It says it's purposeful. God formed us. I love what uh, verse 7 says. We read it a moment ago. 
He says, every one of you who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. For what purpose do you exist? For his glory. In uh, uh, chapter 43 and verse 21, it says, and the people who I form for myself. Myself. And then again in chapter 44 and verse 21, he says, uh, Remember these things, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant. You see, we've got purpose. We've got reason for being. Uh, thirdly, he is our redeemer. And this, this is all through. The word redeemer or to redeem is all through chapters uh, 43 and 44. It's a special word in the Old Testament. Uh, it is the one who buys back something uh, with a price. The Lord has paid the price for you and I to be His children. And, and notice again in verse 1 how He says, Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. You, you and I can go through this life not worrying about What's going to happen? It was a difficult conversation I had uh, with Dr. Bell this morning and not knowing where his son was. And yet I, I reminded him, you don't have to be afraid because your son is in the hands of a loving Heavenly Father. It, no matter what the circumstances may turn out to be. And of course we were allowing the worst scenarios to come to mind, which you do. do, And yet at the same time, we're reminded no matter what it is, whether it turns out to be good or not good, we as God's children aren't afraid in this life. And yet we are. I, 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 I text him and I said, you know, if I was in your shoes, I would be so anxious right now about the outcome. I would have to be reminded that we are loved with an everlasting love and we're drawn with cords of compassion. That we have a Father who has promised to hold us and take care of us like a mother does a newborn baby. And so God reminds us of that. I have redeemed you, therefore you're not to be afraid. Verse 14 of Chapter 43, the Lord goes on again and says, you, uh, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I'm going to send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans, even in the ships in which they rejoice. What was he telling them? It was a point in time when they were about to go under the dominion of Babylon. The control of the Chaldeans. And God is saying, you don't have to be afraid. I've redeemed you. I'm going to take care of Babylon. And I'm going to take care of the Chaldeans. Because I'm taking care of you. I'm the one who has redeemed you. You belong to me. Now, that's why we don't have to be afraid. You know, my... Uh, 
my mother the other day was saying about me. She said, of course, she, I, I think I told you she had me in my mid-70s the other day. Thank you, Mom. I guess when you get to be 98, you, you know, your kids are just old as dirt. And so she said I was in my mid-70s. I said, no, I'm not quite there yet, Mom. Uh, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm 64. And she said, oh, that's young. And so I said, sweet. I, but I turned to, I think I said that, I may have said this last week. I turned to Janet and I said, Google the life expectancy of a male in Alabama. Now you guys that hold on to your seat, life expectancy of a male in Alabama is 72.3 years. I said, so mom, I, you know, my life expectancy as far as statistics are concerned. My times are in his hand. I'm going to live as long as God wants me to live, not one day longer, not one day shorter, but, you know, it's kind of getting close. I'm thinking about that. Uh, God says, you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear death, not for the believer. Why? You know, it's the best thing that's going to happen to the life of the believer, and that is we're going to be caught up into the presence of an eternal God. And we'll see him face to face. And what glory that will be. Number four, he is our owner. Oh, this is the one that nobody wants to hear. Okay? God is my owner. That's exactly what he says. I have formed you. And don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. And you are mine. Now let me ask you a question. Do you really want to be the captain of your own ship and the determiner of your own fate in the midst of a world that has nearly 8 billion people on it and every one of them is going to die? And in this existence, we really don't know what happens after life apart from Holy Scripture. Everything else is total and absolute speculation. And it is a fearful thing to face death if you don't know. And yet through Christ, He has said, I own you, you are mine, and because you are mine, I'm going to do what? I'm going to take care of you. I want to take care of you. Remember, we started this uh, uh, time together by reading uh, the beginning of Isaiah. It's not going to be on the screen for you, but let me just read the opening verses. It's a vision from Isaiah concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days, and he names all four kings. Okay? This is back in chapter 1. The days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah. Where are we in this passage? We're in the days of Hezekiah. And it is what he says. Hear, O Israel, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken, children have I reared and brought up. That's what he's saying about you if you're in Christ. You're mine. And then he says, but you have rebelled against me. And he reminds them, the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master. But Israel doesn't know and understand that you are my people. 
We need to be reminded of that. Because, hey, I can do whatever I want to do, can't I? You see, you and I have a great God who has created us, redeemed us, and he owns us. He's also our protector. When you pass through the waters, verse 2 of Isaiah 43 says, I will be with you and through the rivers, and they will not overwhelm you. When you go through the fire, you're not going to be burned, and the flame will not consume you. God is going to be our protector. Uh, He tells us over in chapter 44 and verse 6, I am the first and I am the last. Now you see that in the New Testament and you're familiar with it. Guess what? It's in the Old Testament as well. Remember the, the, the new is the old revealed and the old is the new concealed. And so they work together. There's not a God of the Old Testament and a God of the New Testament. There's not a way of salvation in the Old Testament and a different way in the New Testament. It's the same God, same salvation. We're in a covenant of grace uh, through God, what God has done in our behalf. And he says, I am the first and the last, and besides me there is no God. He says it over and over again in this passage uh, in chapter 43 and verse 25, he says, I and I alone am he. There is no other. He, he goes into great detail and he's going to talk about it in, in the 44th chapter. He's going to talk about idols. And it's interesting. He makes a really great argument. And he talks about making idols out of wood, which they did. He says, you know, you, you grow the tree. Here's the illustration. You grow the tree, it grows up, you cut it down, uh, you, you, you chop it up into firewood in order to make uh, food and you eat it or you build a house with it to live in and then with what you got left over, what do you do? You, you take it down to the, uh, understand in their day, we don't necessarily do this uh, in our day, we don't take it down to the God maker. Do we? hope you're with me this morning. We don't take our wood down to the God maker and say, make a God out of this for me. But that's what they did in their day. Make a God, and then you bow down and you worship the wood that you grew in your garden, and you cut it down, and you made a fire with, and you built a house with. And you say, that sounds so foolish, and yet money can be our God. Can it not? All kinds of things can be our God. And God has, he comes along and says, there is no other. I and I alone am he. I am your God. And then number six, and uh, I have to get fast here. He is our living God. Look at verse three. He says, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom. Cush and Seba or Sheba, you've heard of the Queen of Sheba. This is the same word here. In exchange for you. Let's go back again to say, to see the first part of that verse. I am the Lord your God. This is the name Yahweh or Yahweh, Jehovah. We're talking about the living God. The one who always was, who is and is to come. The same one that took care of Isaiah and his people in their day in a troubled time. 
They were a, a country that had been overtaken by another nation and they were a puppet kingdom. And the king Hezekiah, though he is a prosperous and useful man in the hands of God, comes to the point of death, prays for God to re- give him extra life. God gives him 15 more years. Understand he's still under the authority of the king over in Babylon. Okay, but who's in control? The king in Babylon? No, the living God is. Your boss isn't in control of you. Okay, the living God is. The the bad circumstances isn't over you. The living God is. Isaiah 40 and verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And then seventh, how many points do you have, preacher? Uh, As many as the coronavirus. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to cut the prime rib off here in just a moment, okay? He is our Savior. He is our Savior. Look again in verse 3. He he just makes that statement. The Holy One of Israel, I am your Savior. Alex referred to this a moment ago from the book of Hebrews. Here it is in Isaiah 44, verse 22. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you what a wonderful promise that is Uh, this idea of blotting it out is it has with it a judicial sense to it okay what why do I need to say that to say he remembers our sins no more I mean gee whiz my mother remembers my sins no more dementia okay do you get it Just to say, for God to say, I remember your sins no more, big deal. No, they're paid for. They're paid for. Justice has taken place. When God didn't just say about our transgressions, I don't remember them, He blots them out like a cloud, like removing a fog. He gets rid of it through the blood of His Son on the cross of Calvary. It happened nearly 2,000 years ago. It was a moment, an event in time and space. It actually occurred and it satisfied the just demands of a holy God. And Jesus, because we are in the flesh, he took his blood into a, a holy heavenly of heavenlies and spilt his or shed his blood, poured out his blood on that heavenly mercy seat and he satisfied all the righteous demands of a holy God on our sin so that now he remembers your sins no more what a glorious truth that is well I'm gonna have to go quickly through these others he is our lover oh what a what a wonderful passage here wonderful verse verse 4 He says, because you are precious in my eyes. You are special, chosen, selected by God. You're like no other. Uh, 
And he says, you are honored by me and I love you. God has done that in your salvation. And if you and I, and we do, we forget that God loves us. We need to remember what he said in Deuteronomy 7. He says, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You in Christ are special. Outside of Christ, you aren't special. Listen, I don't care. I know we do it today. You know, in my day, you had to come in first place to get a trophy. Okay? If you didn't come in first place, you went home crying. All right? (laughs) And there's something special about that. Well, the reality is, because of what Christ has done, you're in first place. You got the trophy. There's something special to it. We're, we're not all alike. There are two kinds of people on the planet. There are the saved and the unsaved. There are the precious who are in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, turn to Christ. Otherwise, there is a special place reserved by a holy and just and righteous God. He is also our comforter. Verse 5 says... He says, fear not, for I am with you. Isaiah 49, I mentioned it a moment ago, verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child? No, she cannot. That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, but yet I will not forget you. Number 10, he's our gatherer. It's an odd word. It's the word I came up with. It says, fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. To the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Now this was a special promise to Israel in its day. You're getting scattered because of your disobedience, but you're mine. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to gather you all together. Well, that's still true today. You know, the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. You and I give out the gospel. We share the gospel. We intercede. We pray. God calls. You can give the medicine. The doctor can give you the medicine. But it is ultimately not the medicine that heals you. Because you can give the same medicine to another person who has the same problem. And they don't make it. You see, God's in control of all of that. And He has an eternal purpose in all that He does. And He gathers His people together. And that ought to be such comfort to us. A sower went sowing the seed. And where did he sow it? Some on the pathway, hard. Some along where the weeds were. Uh, some was where the thorn and bushes were. Some was where the good soil was. Sower went sowing the seed. Where did it grow? Only one place. God gives the increase. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Our responsibility is to obey the command of the God, to go with the gospel, to share with others the glory of His grace. But God is the gatherer. 
God said to us in the book of Corinthians that Paulus planted, uh, Paul planted, Paulus watered, God gave the increase. God's the one that causes it to grow. And then lastly, he's our sovereign. He is our sovereign. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I form and made. The idea is for us to understand that you're not left alone. Uh, at the end of the chapter, of chapter 44, it, it, it makes this statement. It says, of Cyrus. Now, you may not know who Cyrus was because Cyrus wasn't when this was written. Okay? Cyrus is not king over in Babylon when this happens, when this is written down. But God says Cyrus needs to know this. I'm his shepherd. Okay? And he shall fulfill all my purpose. He will say to Jerusalem, you shall be built. And to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. Now, we don't have time for this. Okay? But in the book of Daniel, we are reminded there was a decree that was given by Cyrus that ultimately was fulfilled at a much later date to bring the children of God back from all of the places in that area to Jerusalem. God did it. God's in control. What do you and I contribute to all of this? Well, quickly he tells us in this passage of Scripture, uh, Isaiah 43, verse 8, he says, You're blind, though you have eyes. You're deaf, deaf, though you have ears. So, what do we contribute to this greatness of God's salvation? Blindness and deafness. Isaiah 43, verse 24 says something else that we bring to the table, you know, to impress God with. You have burdened me with your sins, and you have wearied me with your iniquities. So I have that to bring to God, my sin and my iniquity. Hey, this makes for a great salvation. Okay, doesn't it? I come to God. I don't understand what you're saying. I don't see it. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 27 of Isaiah 43, even your first father sinned. He's given us good theology. Who sinned? Adam and your mediators. Everybody who's tried to make things right between us and God, they have transgressed. And then in verse 22 of that same chapter, he talks about the refusal and dismissal that we bring. He says, you did not call upon me. I told you to call on me, but you didn't call on me. And you have been weary of me. Do, do you ever get weary of God? I've been there. You know, Lord, I did all the right things you asked me to do. And I mean, you know, church gets boring. Christian life gets dull and dry. I hear people say, I'm in a dry spell in my spiritual life. Well, go to Jesus. That's where the water is. That's where the fountain is. He's the living water. Sometimes we weary of God. And then, as I mentioned a moment ago, we bring our idolatries to God. But what has he done? What has he done? All right, here's the conclusion. Chapter 44, verses 1 and 2. But here now, 
Jacob my servant, Israel whom I've chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. And then he uses this word, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. The word Jeshurun is only used a few times in the Old Testament. And it's an intimate word that God uses for Jerusalem. Okay? It's a, it's a tender word that God uses in reference to Jerusalem or his people. The meaning of the word is one who has been made upright by Yahweh, the Lord. One who had been previously fallen has been stood upright. So how are we to respond to this? Well, the scripture, this passage of scripture tells us, number one, don't be afraid. Come to the Savior. Don't be afraid of him. Yeah, but I've sinned. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they hid themselves. But God has provided great grace and mercy through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son. So don't be afraid. Come to Him. He says also in verse 18 of chapter 43, Remember not, forgetting the things that are behind you. Uh, That's what He was telling them. Understand that God is doing, and He says it, I'm doing a new thing. This salvation is new for you. I'm doing a new thing so that you and I forget what's behind us and we press forward to an upward calling in Christ Jesus, an obedience to the Lord out of His great love and mercy. And then lastly, he says, remember, in verse 26, that is, put Him in remembrance. Keep your thoughts on the Lord. Do what He says. There's an old hymn. It's not really that old because it was written in 1948. Uh, I know that's old. Uh, And and it's one of those feely good songs. And if we were to sing it, you would go, wow, that's a good song. I want to tell you, when I read the first verse of this again, it's kind of like taking your fingernails and running it down a chalkboard. Or styrofoam when it rubs together. You know? There ought to be something within us that when we see this, it go, that's not right. Just because it's a hymn doesn't make it good and right. You know the song? Some of you that are older will know, Oh, what a Savior. Oh, that's a, man, that's a good song. Makes me feel good. I'm about to offend you, okay? I hope. Listen to what it says. Once I was straying in sin's dark valley, no hope within could I see he searched through heaven and found a savior to save a poor lost soul like me now that is horrible theology that is horrendous it ought to make your soul cringe did God the father search through heaven and go let's see if I can find a savior No. God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in eternity past, before He ever created you, before Adam and Eve ever sinned, had determined the cross to be the salvation and Christ Jesus, the one who would die upon that cross. For God Himself is holy and just and eternal and He's different and He's love and He's all of those things. 
It was God was purposeful and is purposeful in all that he does. But how about, alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? The body slain, sweet Jesus thine. This is probably a verse you hadn't heard. And bathed in its own blood while all exposed to wrath divine. The glorious sufferer stood. Was it for crimes that I had done he groaned upon that tree? Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. So well might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in when God the mighty maker died for man. The creature sinned, but drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love that I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. It is all that I can do. So how do you and I respond to the Savior? Oh, what a Savior. Not the one that the Father went searching for and say, who'll, who'll go for us? Who'll, who'll do this? No. The one who is the living, eternal God who purposefully, lovingly, compassionately came after you. And you and I respond by saying, nothing can repay Except just to say to the Lord, I belong to you. I'm yours. So, Father, we come. Lord, we should be at the point of being speechless before the truths that you have declared in this passage of Scripture. We did not look at other men's words, we looked at the words of God. And the words of God are eternal and true and life-giving. And they point us to the Savior. And I pray, Lord, that in this moment when we respond, that we would respond in kind. That, oh, we've got such a great Savior that nothing I can do can repay simply to give Him my life. And so, Father, we ask for your grace to respond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.